I'm pro cheating. Not that you guys label me pro cheating. <laughs> pro cheating. Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I'm Jordan Dollar Coltman, joined by Elliot Tanti and Braden Dollar Coltman. Welcome back, boys. Uh, big busy week in the world of sports. We're going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk about basketball, and we're going to talk about hockey. Before we get to any of that, as we get uh, revved up and ready for Halloween, uh, both of you, what are you going next week for Halloween? What are you going to dress up and, and, and go trick-or-treating as, Brayden? Because we know you still go around trick-or-treating. I know you do. I take my dog trick-or-treating. So there's a there's a community in Ritchie here in Edmonton that uh, somebody lays, like they... they uh, they go ahead of time to a whole bunch of houses and give out dog treats so that they're prepared for when all of the, the, this gaggle of dogs come by. So uh, this year, uh, I am dressing my dog Ellie up as Missy Elliot. Oh, that's very clever. Very yes. clever. Of course, yeah, it only works if people know the dog's name, but that's that's great. Well, that's why I started with that. Uh, that's that's true. All right, Elliot, how about you? Are you dressing your dog uh, up? <laughs> also dressing my dog up. She's got a costume. She's got two costumes this year. We've got an old woman costume for her, which is very cute. With glasses <laughs> and a wig. Uh, that one's very good. And then she's got a Wonder Woman costume. It's also great. I myself am going as Andre the Giant. Uh, it's been very successful. I look a lot like him with my long hair and I've now cut mutton chops into my face. So it's all out. Uh, very revealing, not safe for work uh, costume. <laughs> Is that because of the stilts? Uh, no, it's because you can literally just see everything down there. It's a good thing we're on a, like you're on a Zoom call if like when I'm wearing it this last time because it's there's 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 no secrets once you uh, see me in this. Uh, in this Thank in this goodness scene. this is an audio format and not a video podcast. Well, uh, what happened was I, I although the ratings picked, might be higher, Elliot. You never know. I swear I picked large, but I got a medium, and I'm just going. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right, let's get to it. Here's topic one. Okay, uh, I have not prepared either of these two boys for this topic ahead of time, just because I thought it'd be a little bit more fun to dig into it with uh, with both of them coming in cold. But I know they're going to have lots to say on it. As the NHL season has gotten underway, we've we've had some great ups and some great downs from a lot of different teams. If you're an Oilers fan, as the three of us are, obviously it's been a fun start to the year. Um, great out of the gate, all of the uh, the you know players we've hoped would would come out of camp looking their best have been puliarvi has been great and all of that but we're not going to talk about the oilers today what? we talk about the oilers all the time we're going to talk about a different team now i am not one to spike the football i am not one to over celebrate or to uh boast un- unfairly but i am occasionally one who likes to think that the sports karma gods occasionally shine down when we are good and when we behave ourselves. And I think we behaved ourselves pretty well for the last couple of years, boys, as we have put up with the absolute uh, downpour of Eastern media claiming and complaining and crying (laughs) and whining about the fact that Connor McDavid might want to leave if the Oilers aren't better. The question to both of you today, is it time to start asking is Austin Matthews going to want to leave the Leafs if they don't right the ship? Elliot, uh, we will go to you first. <laughs> Are the Leafs in real trouble, or is it just too early to say that? Well, I think you're coming to the guy first who's predicted they weren't going to make the playoffs. <laughs> so, so, so uh, you know, teed it up pretty well with that. I mean, they're two, what, two, three, and one to start the year, five points. 
minus seven gold differential. Um, and a whopping defeat a couple nights ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think there's <laughs> – look, there it's still too early to tell. I mean, I do think they are in a really tough division. and there's, but, but, you know, you look at some of the teams ahead of them, like, are they better than the Detroit Red Wings? Absolutely. Are they better than the Buffalo Sabres, which is another story in and of itself? Absolutely. I think, it, I, I think where they're sitting right now, I understand why Toronto's on fire and everyone's panicking. Um, but it's just six games in. Um, that being said, I think Zach Hyman has what double the number of goals of Marner or Matthews and the other one that's good there combined, which to me is just hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I totally understand why people in Toronto are losing their mind. Like this is not, when you look over at the Edmonton Oilers, they're five and oh, and that's supposed to be your rival in the country. Uh Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whether or not he's going to want to leave, I think still I'm with Elliot. It's too early. He does seem like he'd be in the camp of wanting to win um, at all costs. And if that means that the Leafs are going in the opposite direction, then I, I do think he'll want to he'll want a, a scene change or a, a place that uh, that can support that. The, the thing that's interesting right now for me is looking at what happened here with Toronto. Again, yes, it's early, but you look at their lineup now, they're missing a really integral part. And you look at, like we were just talking about the Oilers, we have added a very integral part, and that's Zach Hyman. Toronto's missing this key player who could play first line, second line, third line. He can play power play. He can play power, uh, uh, penalty kill. He's a very versatile player that made that team very successful, I think, the last few years. And now we're getting to reap the rewards uh, here in Edmonton of, of that. And um, not, not saying directly that that is the reason that they're, they're falling off, but I do think that that, you know, it goes a long way. And obviously you're right, Ellie, it's very early, but you know, when you're a, a team with the kind of attention on them that Edmonton or Toronto is, the media will always be quick to jump on the smallest, you know, the smallest whiff of, of failure or blood in the water, if you will. And I think that we do have to start to ask ourselves the question, are we beginning down a road with this team where they might find themselves very quickly in a position where the, the pressure is just so great that they have to do something maybe drastic to try to make a change and, and at least show that we're aware that something's not working. Look, uh, the, the the first and obvious targets are always going to be you know coach and general manager, but really Sheldon Keefe's only been there for a couple of years because he's the second guy under Kyle Dubas anyway, and I think the big hot seat has to fall to Kyle Dubas because this is the Kyle Dubas experiment, and in so many ways I think Kyle Dubas you know came in with such uh, a shiny resume as like a. a a progressive new style general manager who's going to use analytics. And, you know, he was the next generation under the tutelage and under the guidance of Brennan Shanahan, obviously, who's sort of the, the veteran steady hand there. And yet, really, when you think about it, Kyle Dubas took over a team that already had Matthews, Marner, and Nylander, already had, uh, at the time, Morgan Riley, and at that time, Nazem Kadri as their sort of young core. Obviously, Kadri's gone. The only real major change Dubas made was signing an $11 million contract with John Tavares. And at this point, you have to look at that and say, did that do anything other than kind of tie up a lot of money in one player that has he made a big enough or significant enough contribution? The big piece that's missing on Dubas's resume is finding solid goaltending. They just mm-hmm. don't have it. Obviously, Freddie Anderson looked 
looked like he was going to be the guy who got a little bit banged up, and then he just never came back the same. And they haven't found a true guy to replace him. God knows in Edmonton, we've had the same problem for years, but we've also learned in Edmonton, and as so many other teams have, when you don't have that key goaltending position fixed and made to work your team no matter how good they are in front of you no matter no matter how great Matthews and Marner on their best days are you can't win enough hockey games to really be competitive and I think that that's the struggle that we're in they were really good last year with with some of the goaltending that they got but I think even then you know was that a flash in the pan was that partly due to the weird season like how much of that can translate forward so far this season it hasn't looked like the team we saw last year um, and I would think, and maybe correct me if, if you guys think it's different, but the first, the first target from, from, you know, the, the, the change place has to be Dubis. And if it isn't, then he's going to have to make a trade and know that it's one other, one of the last chances he's going to get here to make a change. It's probably Marner. I would assume would be the guy going out, but then you got to find a dance partner who's going to do that. Like Kyle Dubas is in a really precarious position. I would think going into this and if they can't get, it turned around by American Thanksgiving, which is only in a couple of weeks now, boys, they could really be looking at a position where, where the pressure is just going to be ratcheted up so much. They're going to have to do something drastic. What do you think, Elliot? Last thoughts. I think it's a little too early, put Dubas under the bus. I think a lot of NHL teams and Brennan Shanahan would know that the time to make a GM change is not, is not um, in the mid season, but that's something you do in between seasons. Um, and if for any other reason that the heat gets turned up and then they start, as we saw happen here in Edmonton, making deals to try and save their job is not where you want to be. Yeah. But um, so then why wouldn't you pull the trigger before he gets the opportunity to start? Well, doing there's no reason why you that. can't quietly say that from now on, Brennan Shanahan's going to approve all trades and, and, and that's good. And he probably likely is in a space like that anyway, just because of the way that uh, the Maple Leafs team is, is, is sort of built. I think you guys make a lot of points. I, I do think, you know, there's goaltending, but there were, they didn't change a lot from last year uh, and they didn't have a lot of success last year. And in fact, they lost, you know, one of their, you know, one of those glue players and I'm in, I, I think you guys points are. Well, are I don't right. know if I they just, didn't have enough success, Elliot. They were the best team coming out of the Canadian division and they, they did roll over a lot of the teams in this division throughout the season. Yeah, it was they when they lost. hit the playoffs, they just weren't ready to go. And yeah, well, they lost some veterans. That's really the what they lost. Right. Joe going back to your, and yeah, going, going back to your original question though, is far, or, um, Matthew's going to get pushed out or is he going to be uh, wanting to leave though? I don't feel like the, the media as, as crazy and high pressure as the media in Toronto is, I don't feel like they would necessarily go at Matthews first. I feel like, like you guys are saying with Dubis and with like the, one of their first questions uh, to uh, Sheldon Keith couple days ago was like what's wrong with nick ritchie and is he ever gonna be able to help the team and it's like well why is the focus on this guy who's who's not who's not supposed to be leading this team why is the focus on all of this other depth instead of saying matthews marner get your shit together uh you know because I, I just feel like they're skirting around the actual well what yeah like it's on, it's on these big players to, to come up and, and, uh, and be big. And we're not seeing that right now. Yeah. Well, time will tell, obviously. I think the question about whether or not the media ever really 
you know, drops the, the hypocrisy part of asking these kind of questions about the stars at Edmonton instead of the stars in their, you know, money-making cow in the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, we'll, time will tell, but uh, they would certainly be fun to start to see a little bit of the same kind of uh, hyperbole thrown at the, at the Leafs as opposed to just out West to the Oilers. Anyway, we will leave it there for now. That's topic one. The Ordinary Podcasting Network is excited to announce that we have launched a merch store on our website. The store is full of ordinary swag, including t-shirts, hoodies, and hats. You can pick out something awesome and support your favorite podcast today by heading over to OrdinaryPodcasts.com. Back to our new favorite sport on this podcast. We've talked a lot of baseball in the last couple weeks. Elliot knows how much I enjoy it. Uh, we're going to talk about the World Series matchup, but not really the ba- baseball itself, because frankly, I couldn't be bothered. What we're going to talk more about is uh, how on earth the Houston Astros are back in a World Series only two years after being caught cheating, and whether or not this is just another indication of how unbelievably soft Major League Baseball treated this. And not only that, but the Red Sox, who were caught with, uh, you know, breaking the rules a couple years ago they found themselves in a in a pennant series looking to to make it to the world series too like is major league baseball in in does this just not look good for major league baseball Braden, as as they look back at what happened a couple years ago like this can't be what they were hoping would happen well okay so first i want to go back to the sticky substance stuff okay so this is a this is a thing that came up mid-season people went oh we shouldn't be allowed to do that Okay, great. So you move on from that. Two years ago, we found out that this team that was in the World Series was banging on on Gatorade uh, cooler buckets. Uh, buckets. I thought it was garbage and cans. It was garbage cans. It was all sorts of things. They're banging on everything. Homemade make... drums. That's right. So they got inventive. They got creative. And then the Major League Baseball went, oh, well, you can't do that. And you can't do that in the, in the... And just to clarify, they weren't just doing it for entertainment. They were, they were banging on these <laughs> drums to... Signal, signal pitches signal pitches yeah so that yeah. the batter knew what pitches were coming because That's they were right. calling signs yes or they were they were uh stealing signs stealing That's signs yeah yeah it's but they were also accused that. of using like electronic devices and all kinds of stuff that never ended up being like sort of clarified by the league right yeah so this is this is the problem there's there's the clarification seems to be wrong when when other leagues change their rules they sit down with the players and the players associate association to describe what you can and cannot do moving forward the astros this happened to the astros two years ago they won the world series and then it came out they found out they cheated everybody was all up in arms uh but the astros like you know you would think you would think they would be suspended for the year or two or the players years, accused or, would be, you know, or their, yeah. you know, their, their, their trophy would be stripped from the team or their rings would be sure. whatever. The Astros were fined $5 million. Okay. Yeah, this there's is not a like, player on their team that makes that much money. <laughs> it's nothing. Yeah. This, however, this is the maximum allowed by the MLB constitution and forced to for, and, and they were forced to forfeit a first and a second round draft pick in 2020-21. Now, again, in other leagues, draft picks are really valuable. They become, you know, like in, in the NBA, it, they're huge. In hockey, draft picks are really, really important. Baseball, not so much because they get moved all the time. They don't have to sign right away. You can re-enter the draft at any point. So, 
oh and then you know the 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 manager the general manager um are suspended for a year so the general manager lanau he is out of work aj hinch however is the new general or the new manager of the detroit tigers and the assistant general manager who was uh with boston at the time uh when the suspensions came down he was suspended for a year he was now in the playoffs this year uh facing off against the astros so you've got these two teams both uh full of you know personnel that have been involved in this cheating scandal all the way at the top again i do think that this is a problem i mean is it i guess i, I mean as long as there's be baseball there's going to be cheating <laughs> this is something about baseball that that you know people are always pushing the rules you know I think, and people get mad at me for my takes on baseball. You know, you know, like, you know, is it really that big of a deal? I, I don't know. Like, what's the other example of like a cheating scandal? You got Belichick and the New England Deflate Patriots. Gate. The Flategate, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's the Flategate. There's also the 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 filming the, uh, the yeah, signals spy or whatever gate. too. Spygate. They did some. They're cool. all they did, gate something. I, what I, was this? I, can like, gate, Braden? What do yeah. they call this? Astro yeah, gate? I don't even know. Gatorade gate. Um, trash the trash tros so so what's my take on this well it doesn't seem like what mlb did was very different from what other leagues have done in terms of like uh in terms of severity of the of the punishment you know like yeah but it was graphics don't mean much but you know there's something here's the thing though no no but here's the thing here's the thing elliot here's the thing you're you you gave two examples both in the nfl and both in the regular season no i'm sorry deflate gate was in the playoffs but it wasn't in the championship game it wasn't in the world series it wasn't in the absolute pinnacle of your sport and that as a league and as a team that scandal exposed not only your complete lack of of regulation as far as what how this team was wasn't caught doing this in the moment number two the way in which you punish them just exposed how absolutely flimsy your your yeah, retribution or, or it's or, saying uh, yeah it's punishment saying, system well, is they could do it again and five million dollars is all frankly, they're gonna have to be that's what i mean i mean it's just it, no other league I, I cannot believe that any other league would let their championship game or series be this desecrated. Yeah. I just, I, I think tampering. what it is, is, is major league baseball. They fumbled this, this investigation and then consequences. Wrong they sport, did not wrong, sport. wrong sport. Okay, they fine. Erred. They dropped it. They they, it was, yeah. Whatever. Who gives a go. shit? <laughs> they did. They did an absolutely terrible job at dealing uh, with their own mess. And now they're reaping what they sowed because this team still has talent They're and gets back here. And it just looks like the, the, the league ends up with egg on their face. Their big, their big fall showcase has this additional storyline attached to it because they didn't I don't disagree with anything. They didn't you're clean saying. up what their, their, their problems. I don't How do we know they're not still cheating? Saying. Well, this is, but my point would be like, maybe their cheating actually didn't have that much of an impact because here they are back at presumably not doing this now. Well, maybe they're doing still it in a different way. They should just do it. Oh, you're right. Lance Armstrong should still have all seven world titles because well, he's still probably the fastest guy well, out there. Well, Lance Armstrong, the that's, that's a topic for another day. I mean, everyone else is doping too. I, mean, I don't that's know. That's what like, I'm saying That's though. what you're, I mean, right? Like, what you just you know, said is it, if it doesn't like, make a difference, should they be allowed to break like, the rules? But it's not like, are you going to have the guy that's when he's on second base, not look at the signals from the catcher? Like everyone does that. Everyone yeah, does. They change yeah, up their signals. But they're not and banging from the... I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I'm just saying the president, I like, I, I do appreciate that that this is the pinnacle of the game and they did it during this. But, but ultimately, you know, they're back there now, presumably not cheating again. 
And it goes to show you that maybe the cheating didn't really have all that much of an impact on, uh, on the game. They were just a really good team and a really strong team. And therefore, you know, th maybe the punishment did fit the crime <clears throat> in that way. And, and I think leagues just generally just struggle with this, Jordan. Like I, I, the, the problem with the, the, just singling out the MLB is that, you know, there's countless examples in every, all four or five of the major professional sports where it's just like, it's been lackluster in terms of what, you know, what, what the, what the, the cost is for cheating. And, you know, it's just, it seems to be kind of how it goes. It should be higher though, because the, the sanctity of the sport, you know, like when there's, yeah, there's, there's, I think they should just be a much better precedence for it. If this were a normal situation in a normal organization that wasn't just going to make bank no matter what, you'd go into a situation where you do go through a review process, you have a report, that report would make recommendations, and then you'd make those recommendations. Has any of that happened? Has any of that happened in the NFL? Has that ever happened? In any, is there any precedent for that in any other spaces? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, but five we'll... million dollars. Five million dollars. They won the World Series, which means they probably made like three, three five million, million times that five million dollars seems steep to me but that's just not in the mlb I, but but just because that's where we're at with all these leaks like. all right we'll leave it there that's topic two do you or someone you know own a small business are you looking to grow or to reach new customers hey why not let us help hatrick is looking for unique brands businesses and products to advertise on our show you can find out how we can help spread the word about your business by contacting us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Let's jump to a, a different sport. We're going to go to the uh, hard court now. I know Braden and his buddy Christian have covered uh, what we're going to talk about today pretty extensively uh, for the last couple of weeks on their podcast because it's pretty much been the only story of the po postseason and and coming into train uh, spring tra or enough spring training. What are we still on baseball here? Too much baseball talk on this show. You've got me all tangled up. Um, uh, it's been the talk of preseason in the. Uh, around the NBA. And obviously as the NBA is now tipped off and started their season, it continues to be a great drama. Uh, and Elliot and I wanted to crack at it. So we're going to talk a little bit about Ben Simmons and the 76ers and uh, just what an absolute, uh, and pardon my French clusterfuck, uh, this has just evolved into, uh, for those who have not been following along, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers last postseason. Uh, watched Ben Simmons just absolutely implode as a player, unable to take shots, afraid to take shots, uh, ended up just completely just falling apart uh, from what, what was such a promising start to his career. He, you know, his postseason performance last year was so bad. And in Philadelphia, where the fans are absolutely ruthless, there was just no room for the level of just complete, you know, implosion. We've seen a lot of players sort of fall off and just not perform in the playoffs. And, and, and they've been great regular season performers, but this, this was something different for the NBA. They lost, obviously they didn't, that, you know, a lot of the blame was put on his shoulders and it was pretty clear going into the off season that he wanted out. He did not want to play for this team anymore. That was the situation. New general manager there, I think, couple years maybe or maybe even just last year brain you can correct me daryl morey who previously mm -hmm. been with the houston rockets and obviously built that team into a great regular season team but again a team that couldn't kind of get over the hump in houston found himself in a in a baby rebuild let's say just a retooling in philadelphia he'd hired doc rivers and he was ready to take this team to the next level 
And obviously with the two stars, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, this was expected to be a, a serious contender. They weren't last year postseason. They just, they knew that this was the problem that they were going to have to deal with. And both teams or both sides just dug their heels in. Ben Simmons demanding a trade, obviously a member of clutch, which is LeBron James and, and um, Rich Paul, Rich Paul's uh, yeah agency and, and a, an agency that of course did very well getting, uh, several of their players out of bad situations um, and into different ones. Uh, AD for one, leaving the Pelicans, obviously. But Ben Simmons camp wanted out, and the 76ers just said, "Nope, we're gonna we're gonna play this out. We don't have any good trade options for you. Uh, we'll see what happens, and we'll see you in the fall." He showed up to training camp clearly uninterested, and was kicked out of practice two or three days ago. Not not for even participating he had a cell phone in his pocket. Uh, Doc Rivers basically told him to get out of the gym, come back when he was ready to actually participate. And that hasn't happened yet. So now the team suspended him um, from, from, for a day or two. It wasn't even like a serious sort of get out of here for a while, but it just feels like on all sides of this, some serious mismanagement, some serious miscalculation. Uh, we've seen this before, you know, guys like, you know, in different leagues, even Jesse Pugliarvi said he didn't want to play here. We sent him off to Europe. He came back. He was ready to go. Ben Simmons. I just don't know how, where this goes from here. And I think that's the big question around the sporting world before we let Elliot in on this. Cause I know he's got so many strong takes on this, uh, Braden, you've, you've gone into a lot of this. Uh, and I'm, I know you and Christian have talked at, at nauseum about this at this point, where do you stand on this? Who's it, who's it, who's at fault? Is this on Ben <laughs> Simmons or is this on the 76ers? Well, <laughs> It's all laughable. It's just a, like you said, I think you summed it up perfectly. It's a, it's a clusterfuck. It's a circus. Um, I don't think the Sixers are necessarily to blame here. Um, ben Simmons is a paid employee of this organization. He has a job to do. Just signing a new contract. He, he abstained from coming to preseason or training camp. He was losing uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars every day. He wasn't there. Because he was he was holding out for a trade, like you said, and I don't think the 76ers were just waiting. They were trying desperately to move him, and they were trying desperately to get the value that a first overall pick garners. However, this first overall pick doesn't he he shoots he here's one he takes more shots he takes less shots than Kyrie Irving. Um, I just don't think that he's gonna. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't think that this is going to end well for, for, you know, him coming back to the Sixers. He, he like you said, he showed up. Uh, he looked like he looked incredibly unimpressed. He's told, I think he had a, like a personal meeting with the, uh, the team, the organization saying, you know, I'm, I'm here. I want to be here right now, but I'm not ready to play. I'm not mentally prepared to play, which is very vague. It doesn't tell us how long that will take. You know, if that's if that's a serious thing, then let's, you know, yes, let's support that guy to be in a mental place that he's ready to play basketball. But if it's about not wanting, you know, if this is a if this is an ego thing, then then I don't know how this I don't know how this works out. I don't know what the resolve is until he gets traded. And Daryl Morey, the GM, has said this could take four years of his contract to figure out. And we're not just going to. And move moving him. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do our due diligence. This is our, our ask. Uh, it just every every day, every week, it gets worse and worse. And uh, I think soon, soon enough, that just the distraction of it all will be, you know, because now you've got fans who are who are chanting it at their other, t- you know, the Philadelphia Eagles games. You know, fuck Ben Simmons. You don't want that. You don't. You, it's such a distraction. Yeah. 
Elliot, thoughts on this one? Well, let's go back to your original question here. Who is to blame? Who is to blame in this situation of Ben Simmons? I, I mean, I think there's blame that goes around to everyone, the player, the team. But I think the majority of the blame, at the end of the day for me, goes to Doc Rivers. You know, let's think back to what, where, where the start of this is. Where, where, does this, where does this start? It's a question that Doc Rivers got at the end of their final series uh, in the playoffs about Ben Simmons. And Doc Rivers was not directly critical of Ben Simmons, but certainly didn't give him the, the, any show, the, the show or respect. I think the question in brand new was, is this a, is this a championship team with Ben Simmons on it or playing whatever position uh, was, was sort of the question. And he was vague. I mean, he was taken out of context, but he was vague on it. Your job as the coach of a team is to get your players to the best situation that you're in. That's his job. And at that moment, at the end of that series, after what had happened in the playoffs with Ben Simmons, that was not the time to take a shot or to be vague or say anything that could have been interpreted as anything other than I have the full support of this player and we are going to work with him throughout the summer or wherever. And we believe, yes, the, Ben Simmons is the player that we need on this team, whether you feel it or not, that's your job as a coach. And he failed at that moment. And that's what's kickstarted this entire thing through the summer. And that's where we're at right now. If Ben Simmons or if, if Doc Rivers' response to that question was unequivocal in his support for Ben Simmons, we're not having this conversation today. And it's not, we're not in the situation that we're at. So lots of blame to go around. And since then, there's been lots of mistakes made on a lot of different fronts. But what's, what's patient A in this situation? It's Doc Rivers and that response to that question. Wow. All right. Well, here's one for you too, Braden. Let me throw this back at you. Uh, are we looking at the wrong people here? Is this not between Doc Rivers or the 76ers or Ben Simmons? Does this actually all go back to James Harden? Is this James Harden's fault and how he got out of his situation with the Rockets last year by doing a very similar thing where he really just did not want to participate, showed up to camp and out of shape and just did not put in any effort in until he got what he wanted. I mean, we've all heard about we're in the player empowerment era and yeah. the players have more power than they've ever had in the NBA. Is this just a symptom of a much bigger situation or, you know, can this not be drawn right back to that? I mean, Daryl Morey literally had to deal with that situation last year. Yeah, likely, likely very similar situation. And, and as you said there, the pl player empowerment movement, that goes back, you know, f almost for the decision, six, seven years. Yeah, the decision even. Yeah. Jimmy Butler moving out of out of Chicago. Um, I think. <laughs> well, what we're seeing now, I think, is a little bit different in the situation with James Harden, because Daryl Morey is in the driver's seat again and has had that experience happen. So he's now saying, I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait this out. And this player who is under contract, who we want to play on our team, because he is a valuable asset, more importantly on the defensive end, um, we need him to come to camp and, and buy into the team. The, the, I think the issue- but How long does that last? How well, long the is issue he a valuable is, asset? The longer he doesn't play, the less valuable he is, both as a trade asset, right. but also to the team itself. No, and they can't right. expect that Ben Simmons is going to sit out for, let's say, two, three months and then still come back and play for this team. I mean, at some point, you've, you've gone a bridge too far. Yeah, so, well, that's, that's the catch. That's the catch there is, is at what point are you going to, you know, what package comes back? Because they're, you know, you're not going to get Damian Lillard for this guy anymore. You're not going to get, 
a, a premier piece to put in. So either you're looking at future picks or you're looking at, uh, you know, some future assets and all of those teams yeah. aren't places that. So, and as he misplayed his hand in it too, because now by, by holding out, as opposed to just showing up and being a good little soldier, explaining, you don't want to be with this team, but showing up and showing, look, I'm yeah, still a valuable it's player. Bizarre. Your trade aspect is a lot higher here. You just look like a disgruntled player that why would anyone want this guy at this point? He hasn't been able to perform in the playoffs. He hasn't shown up in any kind of like, you know, bet on myself situation here. He literally just looks like players just completely yeah. lost, lost all touch with, with what other people's perception of him is. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the, like the, just the attitude coming, you can see his face in that practice that he doesn't want to be there and the rest of the team can. So if you are one of the leaders, quote unquote, of the team, then this is not how you go about showing that. Well, I, I, I mean, I think you you just hit the nail on the head right there. At some point, this has got to end. And I think it ends with a conversation between an agent and an owner, or, you know, maybe the NBA steps up at some point and say like, look, Ben, you got to play, you got to play because you got to demonstrate value uh, and play hard and we'll make, we'll make the best move possible, but you've got to demonstrate your value because you're at the lowest of the low right now in terms of trade value. And we, as an organization, won't accept that. Yeah, and the, and the only struggle the with that, Elliot, is again, we're dealing with an agent who's who's got a reputation for being one of those guys yeah. who just does not do things in the conventional way. I mean, Rich Paul well, is strong around the people. league as being a very, he's a bully, right? And that's what has made yeah. him successful. And as, you know, he's he, he is who he is, though. And yeah. that's part of, I think, the contributing factor to this. I think... Uh, I, I, I drew a, a very, very localized analogy earlier to the whole Pooley-Arvey thing where you had a player in Edmonton, different sport, I get that, different, you know, very, a lot of different factors, culturally, language, all the different things that were contributing to Yessi Pooley-Arvey not wanting to be in the Oilers. But you had an agent go to the team and say, look, my, my client wants a trade. They said, okay, hold on, let's see what happens. And everyone sort of just took a breath and waited, right? Yep. But later, I think it was made very clear that the agent may have been pushing Yessi Pugliarvi in a way that was not helpful to him, him, him a, a, and where he actually was in his career. And over time, luckily, in that situation, things worked out. I feel like in this situation, we're in a, we're in a, a very similar place where we have some very big egos, some very big stakes, and some very you know, some big characters yeah. involved in this who are dealing with a lot of three-dimensional chess, as Braden pointed out. You know, Daryl Morey just joined this organization he cannot be seen to be getting absolutely nothing for what was an incredibly important and valuable asset for this organization. Yeah. First overall Rich, pick. Rich Paul is using his leverage as, as the agent to try to get him onto a team with another couple of his own clients. Cause that's what Rich Paul does. He builds super teams out of his own clients. And from Ben Simmons perspective, obviously, you know, does he want to play basketball? I mean, that's clearly he, he does, but but that's, but that's what I mean. Like that. So that's what, that's how I'd be leveraging this though. Right. You want to build a super team. You want him to go somewhere. Well, we're going to need to get value for him to go to that place. Yep. So get your client to play, to build his value so we can make that deal. I don't and think that's, that, that's probably the conversation that needs to be had here. Well, that's yeah. likely what happened when he showed up to, to, cause he didn't show up to training camp. He showed up well into like the first second game already. Yeah. So they probably said either, yeah, exactly what you're saying. You need to show that you are still a value so that you can be moved. And also every day you sit out, you are, you are going to, he hasn't made a single dollar off of his new contract since he's been back. Yeah. 
Well, obviously, uh, this will continue to evolve. I know Braden and Christian will cover it extensively. I uh, continue to cover it extensively on their show. I don't think so. Back- Christian wants no part of this conversation anymore. So if I can, we will. But well, it's just yeah, between Ben Simmons and Kyrie, it's just all it's all a mess, and it's it's boring now. It's you know we don't care anymore. He'll do what he does, and Kyrie will sit as well. And there's more there's much more to talk about so don't, well that was a great plug for your show great plug for your show uh they will talk about other things i guess uh we won't know what it is but at some point uh we will get a resolution to this whole uh silly saga and when that happens either on this show or on Braden's other show uh it shall be discussed uh you know in its conclusion all right that has been our show for this week thank you elliot thank you Braden. as always thanks to our listeners we appreciate it and uh, that was Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Jordan, your face when I came in hot on Doc Rivers was so funny. I was like, I did not see that. No, you just like hot one. That came in out of nowhere. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.